Welcome to the Next Level Brands podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us here on the Next Level Brands podcast. We're brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses, workshops, and webinars for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you're an early stage startup or still in ideation, then Launchpan is the course designed for you. All of the basics and more, saving you tons of time and thousands of dollars in launching and growing your food, beverage, or small goods business. More details available at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com. What you need to know to grow kitchentoshelf.com. I'm Steve Clear, and I'm welcoming to the program today Lee Mokri. And uh, Lee is uh, a guy I've known for a few years in the Bay Area, has been doing some very interesting things. He is the co-founder and also the head sales guy at Byte Technology. That's B-Y-T-E Technology. You know, it's clear that workplaces are the next big retail opportunity. And Byte Tech was launched in 2019 to basically extend the sale of fresh food into our offices. Leading food brands, restaurants, and grocers are using Byte's technology to reach new audiences and eliminate the distance between their customers and the products that they love. Byte Technology is Lee's fourth startup, third in the food space. Prior to Byte Technology, he co-founded Byte Foods to offer effortless access to fresh food in the workplace. And before startups, Lee was the director of communications at Visa. He's also held marketing positions at Dell, Turner, Google, and 2K Games. Welcome to the podcast, Lee. Thank you for having me, Steve. So, you know the, the the idea of the idea of bite technologies and and growing out of of bite foods. Can you tell me a little bit about the technology bent and and how that acts as a real benefit to companies that are are interested in providing better food choices? Sure. It's so we we launched this company in late. 2015, and we developed some technology similar to Amazon Go, but we saw, just like you said in the intro, workplaces as, as the next battleground for retail, the big retail opportunity of the future, and we scaled the, the technology down to fit into an office, and that's really what Bike Foods was built on, uh, my previous company. It's this idea of employers have very few options. It's either having nothing, no food on site, which is which is what the bulk of, of companies around the country do. They don't they don't have any uh, fresh food available for their employees for, for a number of reasons. It's it's expensive, it's not part of their company culture, and for whatever reason, sure. there's no fresh food in the office. But then there's that there's those leaders in the space like Google and Facebook and Twitter and Square that are giving away fresh food. They're, they're spending millions of dollars a month to provide that for, for their employees. And they're smart people. There's a ROI to doing something like that. Their team's more productive. They're happier. They're healthier. And that benefit should be available to all companies. So what this technology does at the highest level is democratizes fresh food, where now instead of a vending machine at a last resort full of chips, candy bars, and sodas, you can now have a, a bite foods refrigerator in your office that's that's making fresh food available 24-7 to your, to your team. So essentially any company around the country can now have fresh food in the office. And, and 
and glean those benefits that, that previously only those, those market leaders and larger companies were making available. And with this most recent pivot of our business into bike technology, we now license this technology to restaurants, food service operators, vending operators, grocers, uh, and some of the largest brands around the country to build a similar network in other parts of the country, um, whether it be you know Florida or, or Chicago or L.A. or New York, where they can, just like you said in the intro, extend the reach of their food into the workplace where there is no competition and it's this untapped opportunity where they can sell food in, in locations they've never considered um, selling their products before. So, Lee, in the in, in the grocery side of the business, um, we always used to talk about share of stomach, which was you know how many meals a day are being provided for out of the sales at the store. And it seems to me one of the things that could happen here is if I'm a Publix or something down in Florida, um, you know, my middays have never been even with the prepared food stuff that's available there have never been really great. It's you know it's always shopping in the morning, shopping before dinner. Um, but this would basically allow them to then take that, um, the fresh stuff, their brand, whatever, and put it into commercial spaces, into offices in particular. Certainly. Yeah, you, you're capturing more day parts, sales in more day parts. So what we see is, is the fridges are ready to go in the morning. And, and to give you some perspective, with Bite Foods, we still manage about 500 fridges here in the Bay Area in what we offices like. Tesla and Amazon, Cisco and SAP, as well as small nonprofits, law firms, ad agencies, you know, companies with as few as 50 employees have bite foods refrigerators in there where we're employed to buy the food from. But um, there's a couple benefits for grocers and some of the other clients that we work with. But an employee gets in in the morning, they grab a breakfast burrito from the fridge, 11 o'clock, they're grabbing a drink or a snack, 1 o'clock, they're grabbing lunch. Uh, towards the end of the, end of the day, they're grabbing a snack before they go home or, or uh, before they're, they're stuck in traffic on their commute home. So you're capturing, you know, a single customer, multiple pay parts, so it increases the, the data side of that digital customer. But from a benefits perspective, for grocers particularly, you've got these enormous fixed assets like a grocery store that's open for maybe 7 a.m. To, to 9 p.m. But through the night, this, this asset's sitting dormant, or even their delivery vehicles where, um, that they're using for uh, delivery of groceries to the home, those fixed assets are sitting dormant throughout the night where, with our technology, they can produce the food in the stores, in the, in the kitchens that they have in the grocery stores, produce it overnight, make those deliveries overnight, and the food is ready to go in the workplace when employees start arriving in the morning. So it's a better use of the, of the existing assets that they already have. So, Lee, for, for those who haven't seen one, um, can you describe what your your current prototyping, or your, not your prototyping, the ones you actually have out there now, what's the size of the refrigerator and, like, the number of, of choices and stuff in it? Yeah, so we, we've got over a 1,000 of them out there um, across the country today. We're expanding internationally in Q1 next year. With some, with some really exciting partners, but to get an idea of what it looks like, you can you can see it on our website at bytetechnology.co. Uh, like Steve said, it's b y t e technology.co. .co. But it's yeah. Uh, it's a .co, not .com. Yeah. 
but it's a glass room refrigerator with a screen on front and a screen after the menu. And the operator can add whatever information they'd like on that menu. Nutritional information, allergens, ingredients, uh, pictures of the products, price, most importantly. And when an employee or a customer walks over the fridge, the door is locked. And what we see is, is most people see what they want through the glass and they just open the door. So they're not, they're not interacting with the screen at all. But you walk into the fridge, when you swipe your card, the, the fridge instantly inventories everything inside. So it knows the exact contents of the fridge and it knows all the attributes about each one of the products inside the fridge. And it unlocks the door. And at that point, you treat it like a normal retail experience, just like at a grocery store where you pick products up, you can put them back, take multiple things at the same time, put things back on different shelves. Uh, but when you close the door, the fridge locks again and re-inventory. So if there was 100 items in there before you open the door and 98 items after you close the door, the system knows it's a few items, knows what those are, and then it charges you credit cards. And at that point, it asks if you'd like a receipt, you can add your email address, uh, you can also add a coupon code, and we're collecting that data on the back end. So we're as much a data company as a technology company or food company, and um, that data is very rich work, and it can help us demand plan what should be what should be put in each of the fridges sure. uh, when we're doing deliveries at back. Um, right, because that was the first thing that was going through my head as you were describing it was, oh, this is a logistical nightmare. <laughs> How do I in all these different places and, and how do you do it? How, how do you, I mean, you have the demand, but still the demand is not the same as, as somebody stopping out front in a truck and going in and re replenishing. How does that all work? Yeah. So when you say logistics nightmare, let me put that in perspective. Before Bite Foods, I ran a meal with my current co-founder. We launched a company called 180 Eats and that was a meal on demand business. It's more like a much maple or sprig or spoon rocket, um, which are no longer in business. But we saw from from a much smaller scale, we were bootstrapping that company, and we saw what a logistics challenge that was, where you've got to get the right food. You know, first you've got to attract the customer. Customer acquisition and retention was very expensive. You've got to attract the customer to your website. You've got to have beautiful pictures of your food. They have to order, so it's got to be priced right. Um it's got to arrive at the house on time. Oh, yes. It's got to be the right product that, that arrives. They don't, customers don't care about traffic or weather, uh, any of those challenges. But that, that was a logistical challenge. And with this business, it's, it's quite a bit different because customers aren't buying the food in advance. They don't know how often we're going to deliver, and they're not, they're not ordering the food, so they don't have money on the line. So it's similar to, to a customer walking into to a Whole Foods and hopefully they find something they like. Uh, but if not, you're not a set with Whole Foods. Whereas if you ordered, you know, the spaghetti and meatballs off, <laughs> off your favorite meal delivery website, yeah, and you got the tuna tartare, you're going to be upset because you're hungry. <laughs> For sure. So we've we've got some, you know, latitude with our customers from that perspective. So it's it's not as tough as some of these other as some of these other meal delivery companies have it from a from a logistics perspective because. Again, we're doing the deliveries in the middle of the night, so we can arrive anytime. Um, and we deliver at a frequency that we that we think is going to to drive the most value, and we deliver the products that we think will see the most demand. In Lee, in a, a typical um, uh, typical bite foods fridge, what are the types of offerings that a person could find? 
That is, it's really based on demand. But to give you just the highest level, uh, sandwiches, salads, entrees, breakfast burritos, breakfast sandwiches, drinks, kombuchas. You know, we don't carry a lot of the products that you've seen on vending machines. We don't carry chips or sodas or candy bars. Right. But just imagine what you want to see if you're working in a law firm or, you know, in, in a factory setting or an ad agency. And those are the types of products that we provide. When we launched this company, we just we simply walked into the Whole Foods, our local Whole Foods here, and thought <laughs> that would be well, that would be well, that would be well, and then reached out to those suppliers directly and built a relationship that way. But my co-founder and I each had corporate jobs before us, so we had some experience and and saw the challenges firsthand of of not having much fresh food available, and and thought to ourselves, what would we want to offer, and that's. That has worked out, kind of that just gut instinct has worked out pretty well. From consumer point of view, Lee, does um, how does the, the pricing compare to, let's say, I, I want to walk out of the office and go to Whole Foods and get something comparable? So that's, that's one of the many benefits to working with, with workplaces. So we place it in, in workplaces, we place them in hospitals and airports and universities. And one of the real benefits to working with offices or employers is that they've got total control over pricing. So to give you a perspective uh, and to answer your question a little more broadly, we charge each location a monthly subscription to have our service on site. So we've kind of flipped the mini model on, on its head because there's so much demand in offices for fresh food, where instead of doing a profit share model, Right. The location, the employer actually pays bite at our service on site. But with that, they can also subsidize the cost of food in the fridge. So let's say 50% of our clients subsidize the cost of food in the fridge by some percentage, you know, anywhere between you know, 10% and 100%. And the benefit to that is, like we, like we talked about earlier, before bite was either nothing or giving food away. Now they can provide fresh food, maybe it's subsidized by 50%. So there's a real benefit to their employees buying the food from from the bike refrigerator because, you know, they don't have to leave the office. If they do leave the office, they can they can spend that time, you know, relaxing in the park or walking around the lake rather than standing in line at a restaurant or, or sitting down to eat and maybe taking more time than, than they've got. Or you know, dealing with the anxiety of running out to grab something between meetings and not sure if you're if you're gonna make it back. So to answer your question directly, our prices are are in line with what you did like a or another specialty grocery store. But working with our clients, we we typically bring those costs down so they're much more affordable to to the employee, to the end customer. And tremendous advantages too and just the fact that the employees not only get something better, but they also are, are not, don't have to leave at that particular moment. I mean, having, having had an office in downtown San Francisco for 20 years, um, I never used to eat at noon. I mean, you never used to go out to eat between 1130 and 130 because you were going to be standing in line uh, or sitting and waiting. And so you said, well, I'll go at 130 when everybody else is, is done. And it would be great to have something that was, you know, healthy, fresh, and good available, you know, in the in the office. We would have uh, we would have thought about that if we were still there. So, yeah, yeah, and it's, it, 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 we've got we've got a bike too. It's refrigerator here in our in our office, and it 
and it's the safety net that it that it builds. You always got something because you know if you if you phone lunch from noon to one thirty, something's always going to come up, and then you're rushing uh, rushing to get it. And and certainly, a lot of our customers are buying through you know some of these meal delivery apps as well, Reese or DoorDash or, or Grubhub or, or whoever. But this is a this is a, a great alternative. To, to something like that, where it's this concept of, of always having food on hand, where we're seeing retail evolve from, you know, for thousands of years, everything is just, or hundreds of years, everything has just been in store. And then 30 years ago, everything moved online. And then, you know, 10, 15 years ago, products moved to on demand. And now they're moving to at hand, where you get hungry, you're sitting at your desk, you look up, there's a, you know, a, like you mentioned, a Publix refrigerator there in my office, and I walk over to it, I start my car to grab a sandwich and walk back to my desk and eat it. And there's a whole new outlook, I think, on that type of on-demand um, for food and other items. Um, Amazon just announced that they've removed for Prime um, basically a, a dollar amount that you need to to buy to get free shipping. Um, mm-hmm. You can literally order a $5, you know, pack of, uh, of batteries and it'll be delivered to your house the next day. And, and we, we all know that's a money loser, but clearly they have to figure out in the, in the course of how long they're going to have a customer and stuff that that's going to work. And it's, it's based on this idea that, you know, if I want something, I want it now, I don't want to drive out to some store to get the battery. I'm just going to, you know, take it and foods much going much the same way. Um, Lee, talk to us a little bit about, so it, with bite foods and, and the refrigerators and stuff that you already have out there, um, the pivot to do technology rather than to roll that nationwide, how'd that all come about? It, it really started with just the inbound demand that we were seeing. Originally, when we launched this model, launched this technology, rather, um, we really wanted to scale this across the U.S. where, you know, pilot this in the Bay Area and and scale it here and then expand it to L.A. and, you know, Phoenix and Dallas and Chicago and eventually New York. But just based on the demand that we were seeing in Q4 18, um, we decided to, to open this up to allow other brands to leverage our technology and, and extend the reach of their own products in workplaces and, and other kind of untraditional retail locations. And that's where we've seen some really exciting growth. And some of the conversations that, that we're having today with, with these leading brands is, is exciting as well. But the decision really came from the demand and the ability to scale, you know, We've got we've got kind of two different businesses that we're looking at. One is is you know you're driving all the revenue from the subscription from the office, as well as the food sales. Uh, and comparatively, it's more of a, a SaaS model where where we're licensing our technology. So that's the direction we're going, and and it's really based off the demand that we're seeing, and this and this change in how brands are thinking about retail where. Many of these larger brands are looking to go direct to consumer to pick up, you know, to, to collect more data, yeah. to to have that direct communication with the customer. They're seeing, you know, what a lot of these brands are realizing is proximity to your customer equals power. The closer you you are to your customer, 
the more they will buy from you, they'll think about your brand and kind of integrate them into integrate the brand into into their lives. Where yeah, um, close closer to the brand, closer to the customer rather. Yes, sorry. Proximity to the is power for the for the brand. The technology basically allows these people to be able to, whether it's a brand or or a grocery store, or to you know basically bring that closer to their customer who's already out there who is not going to go into their store or isn't necessarily going to buy that brand when they go out for lunch. Is that the idea? That is exactly the idea. And it's this idea of brands being able to embed their brand within consumers' lives rather than asking their customer to take time out of their busy day to come visit their grocery store or visit their restaurant. They're able to push their products to their customers. So for years, for, for all the time that retail has been available, all these brands have done everything they can to pull customers into their stores. They market, they, they market, they advertise, spend millions of dollars to pull people onto their store, into their store, onto their website, download their app. But this is an opportunity for the first time to push your products to your customers where they spend their time. So it's this, it's this new sales strategy of pushing and pulling, right. reaching your customers where they spend their time and just, you know, getting more touch points with the customer. Did, did you work, Lee, with some partners in terms of a branded product or specialty product? Because obviously you guys are not, we're, we're not making the stuff in your own kitchen to start with. So how did that work? Yeah, I think, so like I mentioned, we, we initially identified these brands that we wanted to work with just by walking down the Whole Foods and connecting with them directly. For the first number of years with Bite Foods, we didn't produce any of, the, any of the food ourselves. We worked with all third parties. There's, there's a number of benefits to that. Um, you know, we're able to draft off fantastic local brands like, like Blue Bottle Ice Food Coffee. So when, when employees walk in the, in the morning, they're more likely to buy that brand than they would like a Bite Foods generic coffee. But with that, um, with that strategy, you know, it's easy to scale up because these brands are looking for additional channels to work with as well, but you're losing margin where our food costs are high because you know, we're not producing the food ourselves. When you think about a restaurant with you know, high 20 to 30% food costs, ours are much higher because you know, the food supplier is obviously making some margin as well. So as we progressed as a business, we started just like with Amazon Basics or uh, Kirkland's, we started making some of those we started working with a third party to uh, white label some of those more popular products and capture more margin that way. But we did that entirely based on the data. So with these, with this technology, us as the operator or some of the partners that we work with, them as the operator, they can see inventories across their entire suite of fridges in real time. They can see transactions happening in real time. They're capturing their customers' email addresses. They see the expiration date of every product in real time without the operator having to add that information. So it makes it a very streamlined operational process as well as um, data-focused um, back-end that allowed us to, to supply and produce only the food that we think is going to be consumed each day or each week in each week. Right. So, yeah, it, it brings efficiency to what might be otherwise thought of as an inefficient kind of system. I'm going to put 
five salads out there or six salads. And But if I know that it sells in the ratio of four of these to two of these pretty much across the board, my 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 waste is certainly cut down a great deal by that. Certainly. Well, there's, there's a number of factors that, that can cut down the waste that, that we're experimenting with um, because of the, the signals that we're getting from this technology. But to put it in perspective, there's other, there's other um, you know, food manufacturers that are, that are stocking the shelf in a grocery store, let's say. And they're, those drivers are using their intuition to stock the shelf. Say, I'm stocking orange juice. It's empty today. I'm going to stock a little bit more next time. Whereas we are using the data that we're collecting in real time. So we can see, like I said, expiration date of every product in real time in the fridge. There's no prices on the products themselves which means we can, they're only on the menu on the screen, so we can dynamically change them in real time. Uh-huh. We're capturing our customers' email addresses because those, those customers that want to receipt, they have their email address, which means we're collecting those. And, and I think the most important piece and what's unique about it is we are selling into a captive audience. When you're in an office, it's the same 100, 200 people in there every day, and we know who those, those people are and who, who's buying us on the fridge regularly, which means we can see Hey, this salad in the front row is going to expire in a couple of days. There's 100 people in this office. 50 of them have tried the salad. We've got 40 of their email addresses. Our system can can send discount codes ah. to people that have provided feedback saying, hey, the salad is too expensive. Or, you know, for whatever reason, they rated it four out of five stars. We can show those customers, hey, we're listening. You said it was too expensive? Go grab a salad gift for 25% off if you get it in the next, you know, two hours. Right. And that's what our technology allows us to do, that these other even larger brands that don't sell into a captive audience like an office don't have the opportunity to do yeah, it's uh, it's direct again, direct to consumer, but in a slightly a slightly different way. Um, if again, if I was a a Publix or another type of of um, grocery store that catered to maybe you know a little bit more upscale and folks who were interested in natural and healthier alternatives, whatever else, it would be it would be almost a no brainer to look into doing that because I'm doing all the stuff already. In other words, I'm making the stuff in stores nearby for sale in the store during the day. I might as well have it somewhere else as well. You know, um, I, I that from the branded side, Lee, um, packaged goods companies. I mean, I, I know you can't talk about deals and stuff, but packaged goods companies that are, have a plethora of products or would they be developing stuff to just go, just fit into this technology? It's, I mean, it really depends on the strategy of the partner, but you can see this from both perspectives. I mean, you could, you could, so when they buy, just thinking through how we work with our clients, they buy the refrigerator from us and they can brand it how they like, they can stock it with whatever they like, they can place it wherever they like, and they generate all the revenue from the search. They can also charge the location whatever they like. So they own that asset. But when they're thinking through what to place in it, they can think, you know, there's a couple different strategies. They can they can stock it with their most popular products that they've got in their store. That's one way to ensure that you're going to get high sell-through, high volume through the through the store or through the refrigerator, or they can test new products in the fridge. This is a great way to place new products and sure. email your, your loyal customers and say, hey, go grab that product for 
two dollars off and provide us feedback. And that is that feedback will inform you know what you're putting in your larger store. So you're you're testing products in a smaller, you know, maybe a friendlier environment because these are these are all regular customers, and you're you've got regular interaction with them. And then once you once you find or identify those winners, then you put them in your larger store. And you're able to capture that data in close, I mean, in real time. So it doesn't take yeah. long to figure out how that's how that's going to work. Yeah, and you're identifying, I mean, people vote with their dollar, so they could provide feedback. Um, but what they're buying is, is a really good indication of, of demand. I mean, it's a direct indication of demand. So, so if we're out there, we're working in an office, and uh, you know, we want we should go to our employers and let them know we want to have a fresh food alternative out there, and uh, and see if they can't get something get something done. Um, in terms of geography and stuff, you you were talking about a move maybe in the or first quarter of the um, new year to international. So, is this something that demand you see in other places other than here? Certainly. I mean, we, we are fielding inbound every day from, from countries around the world, or from entrepreneurs and established brands from around the world that are interested in launching this in their own country or own city. So uh, in Q1, we're launching uh, in our first international market with a large partner uh, in a very visible location. And um, that kind of back-end engineering effort will open up the ability to expand into other countries. That'll be that'd be absolutely great. Um, let me ask you, um, you like a number of people have uh, in 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 food startups in particular have come out of uh, tech or the regular corporate world and uh, to do something that you know um, is more creative and and has uh, uh, an interesting way to. Put an application out there that that works, and this one was was great. And but you you started out with um, food delivery, as you mentioned, and did that give you a lot of ideas about wow, how this could be done with then with a refrigerator or with a unit that was actually going to be on site versus the delivery method? That that's exactly how we started this company. It's uh, I mean coming from a more corporate structure. Uh, I really had to kind of change my mindset to, to be more comfortable with failure, but with, with that failure comes the ability to pivot as a business. And that's exactly what we saw. When, when I left Visa, that was a time where luxury was, was, was scaling up and, and a lot of these, these meal on demand companies were, were getting a lot of venture capital attention. And there wasn't much of a barrier to entry. So when we launched 180 Eats, we grew that business pretty quickly uh, at a much smaller scale, but we grew it quickly and saw the opportunity. We we developed the technology and then placed it into an, into an office. And, and a lot of the challenges that we were facing, like I mentioned, customer acquisition, retention, last mile delivery, were all kind of eliminated uh, because, you know, we're delivering in the middle of the night. We can deliver whatever we want. Um, and from a product perspective and a frequency perspective. And that allowed us, that really opened our eyes to say, like, you know, before we were, we were selling meals, you know, $10, $12 meals, and to, generate, to, to, to acquire a single customer was difficult to do through, through yes. online ads and expenses. And when we can deliver, you know, hundreds of dollars worth of value with a single delivery and do, you know, 40 deliveries 
with a single route, um, it makes it it makes the the economics of the business um, look a lot better. Yes, and I think that's been uh, shown up with major grocery chains who went ahead and in a rush purchased um, home delivery you know services and have now found out about how just exactly tough that that business is um, and uh, and and also you don't necessarily want to trade somebody to a, a $15 dinner if they the alternative was they were going to come into the store and spend $40 to basically make that same dinner so Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't always work out the same. Um, what in terms of the uh, technology and what's coming? Obviously, there's the data aspect, or, or, and that dives right into replenishment. Um, what else is out there? Anything, anything with with heating or with warming up stuff or anything of that nature coming down the pike? What we found is, is when we place you in offices, typically an office has some sort of, you know, break room where they've got a, where they've got a, a microwave or, sure. a, or a toaster oven. So with, with chilled food, it, it's got a longer shelf life compared to, you know, hot entree that, that's good for, you know, two or three or four hours sitting on the shelf, yep. which makes, which makes it from a, from a spoilage or logistics perspective a, a bit more challenging. So I don't see, I don't see, heated options um, coming down the pipe, but but there's a lot more that we can do with, with the technology that we that we have at hand and, and from the demand that we're seeing, I mean this is just just getting started. Um, you know, right. most the, the large majority of offices don't have any pressure down the pipe. So the opportunity to pull addressable market is, is massive. So our goal is to focus focus and continue to to improve our service and make it available to to more and more people and more brands. And it's a it's a real exciting concept and and of course very beneficial for those of us who have to work in offices. Um so Lee, how do people get more information about this and get in touch with you? They can visit our website at bytetechnology.co. Um shoot me an email at Lee, L-E-E, at bytetechnology.co, and um, you'll get a a prompt response. That's awesome. Um, On the entrepreneur side, um, we usually try to finish up with uh, giving guests a chance to impart a little of their knowledge to fellow entrepreneurs, which we hope make up the bulk of the the audience. And um, we usually ask them about, is there a single... It can be one word, it can be one topic, it can be one outlook, something that you basically would like to pass on to, you know, people who are kind of going through what you're going through, or maybe they haven't gotten quite that far yet. Um, how would you, uh, words of encouragement you'd share? I think I, I mentioned it earlier on the call, but I said, I said, don't be afraid of failure. And that's, that has really put us in a position that we are where, you know, we launched 180 Eats, and we saw at an early stage that the economics didn't work out. So that essentially failed, but we pivoted into Bite Foods. And from that, we've seen a lot of traction and a lot of growth and a lot of success. But we pivoted into business, again, into Bite Technology, to license the technology to ultimately grow beyond what we thought we could with Bite Foods. So uh, this, this comfort excuse me, this comfort with failure has really driven a larger opportunity. And that's what, that's what I would 
like to pass on from, from this podcast is when I was sitting behind a desk in a more corporate environment, I was, I was more adverse to failure. Um, working, you know, for, for, for bosses that, that expected a lot, you know, I wanted to deliver, but it didn't allow much room for creativity and becoming an entrepreneur and launching your own business. There's so much opportunity out there. You'll see that once you, once you get more comfortable with, with, um, you know, just trying something, seeing if it works and if it doesn't, there's other opportunities. Yeah. And it's, it's not so much a failure as it just is lessons learned along the way. Um, and we, you know, all of us who are entrepreneurs have had to go through that unless you were just darn lucky and <laughs> didn't mm -hmm. have to worry about it. So, but Lee, thanks. Hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today and telling us a little bit more about bike technology. And I'm sure a bunch of us are now looking forward to having some of those units in their, in their office. Um, thanks all to the rest of you for joining us here on the podcast. This podcast was brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses, workshops, and webinars for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you'd like to know more about selling in retail, e-commerce, distributors, or how to price your product, check out the free webinar archive at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchentoshelf, kitchen the number two, shelf.com, what you need to know to grow. Lee, I really appreciate it. Thanks, and we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you, Steve. You bet. This is Steve Clear. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands Podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at Next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.